My name is Max Rudolph, and along with Dave Ingram, thank you for joining our Crossing Thin Ice podcast. One of the most important components of enterprise risk management deals with communications with stakeholders. Along with your regulator and board, rating agencies need to know your ERM plan and metrics, but you have limited time with them. How should you prioritize? Dave has a lot of experience in this space, so let's get his thoughts on this topic. There is a story, a story about enterprise risk management, otherwise known as ERM, that most insurers can tell to their ratings analyst. You can think about that story as having four largely distinct chapters. I call them ERM framework, individual risks, aggregate risk and capital, and the ERM journey. Most often, even if your ratings analyst asks to hear your ERM story, there isn't enough time to tell them about all four chapters, so you have to make choices. My perspective on this is based on my experience as the first ERM specialist at Standard & Poor's, where I developed and implemented the first rating agency ERM rating process, and also on my experience since I left S&P, advising dozens of insurers on how to present their ERM program to a rating agency. Before we talk about which of the four chapters to choose, let's first review the expected plot of each chapter. Chapter 1, the ERM framework, is a summary of the key parts of an ERM program, often adapted from a standard framework. Some standard frameworks that insurers have used include the NAIC ORSA framework, a rating agency framework such as the one that I developed at Standard & Poor's, the Solvency II ERM framework, or the International Actuarial Association ERM framework. Those are all great frameworks for insurance companies. For example, the AM-BEST ERM framework consists of five elements, risk identification and reporting, risk appetite and tolerance, stress testing, risk management and controls, and governance and risk culture. In Chapter 2, you'll talk about individual risk. Each of an insurer's key risks has its own risk management story. That story will tell how the company comes to be exposed to the risk, including whether there is any choices made in that process, such as underwriting. It also tells what sorts of mitigation the company uses with each key risk and how the company makes sure that those mitigations are being applied as planned and whether they are being effective. Then, then you can tell how the company uses risk offset programs such as ALM, hedging, and reinsurance to manage the risk. And finally, you talk about what sort of overall limit the company places on the risk remaining, otherwise known as the residual or retained risk, after selection, mitigation, and offsetting. The ERM framework discussion often includes a broad discussion of the intended approach to this process for each of the key risks. In the individual risk part of the discussion, the actual specific examples of the execution of the intended ERM program needs to be presented. Chapter 3, Aggregate Risk and Capital. There are two ways that risk management becomes an enterprise-wide system. The first is with the two elements above, where risk management is systematically and consistently applied to all of the key risks of the insurer. 
The second way is the aggregation of overall risk and the management of that aggregation in relation to business choices and to the level of capital held by the insurer. This element of the ERM story tells about how the insurer is doing that second enterprise-wide function of ERM, telling how the risk measurement and aggregation is done and how the insurer goes about actively managing that aggregate risk. This usually involves making choices about the business plans because capital is most often one of the most important constraints on an insurer. And then finally, Chapter 4, The ERM Journey. Insurers provide risk management products, that is, insurance, to individuals in business. So having a state-of-the-art approach to managing the risks that are acquired by insurers makes eminent sense. But the insurance industry has operated for hundreds of years without ERM. It is an additional cost and often an unwelcome constraint on business. The story of the ERM journey of an insurer is fundamentally the story of overcoming those obstacles and finding a compromise between the main components of an ERM program and the culture and practices of the insurer. This is often a long and difficult process, and those who succeed are proud to tell their story. When an ERM program is new, the tendency is to talk about the ERM framework and the ERM journey. But what the rating analyst usually needs to hear about is the other two chapters, individual risk and aggregate risk and capital. To incorporate the ERM discussion into the rating decision, they, the analysts that is, will have to determine whether the ERM program will help the insurer to maintain or improve its level of security in the case of adverse experience in the areas where it operates. That comes down to a question of whether the company has a potentially effective and repeatable risk management process for their key individual risks, and whether they can expect to keep their intentions about using that process through good times and bad. So the discussion about individual risks is vital and needs to include sharing some detailed evidence of the actual process in practice, usually focused on just a few of the key risks, The ratings analysts will usually have one or two that they would especially want to hear about. In addition, the ability of the company to plan and track the level and growth of their risks compared to the surplus of the company goes to the essence of the rating. Most rating agencies seek to assign ratings that they believe should be able to stand for several years. That can only be so if the company can be expected to manage their aggregate risk and capital and to explain how this is going to be done and how it has been done to their analyst. The chapter about the ERM journey, if included at all, should be brief and emphasize just the things that have changed since the last discussion with the rating analysts. Before we move on to part two of today's podcast, we want to tell you about ARM's ERM Advisory Services. Our ERM Advisory Team, led by Dave Ingram and myself, Max Rudolph, are available to provide a wide range of support to your enterprise risk management program. Here are samples of recent projects. Single risk stress tests and multi-risk integrated scenarios can be used to test the resilience of an insurer. The ARM team can provide appropriate scenarios, assist with execution, and provide interpretation of the results. 
Our ERM team has worked with insurers to install new ERM programs and revitalize older programs that have fallen into disuse. The ERM programs are designed to be consistent with regulatory and rating agency expectations, aligned with company strategy and culture, and bring real value to company management and your board. Uh, Dave, why should I pay attention to the rating criteria document that, that covers ERM? Well, as, as somebody that wrote one of the first rating agency criteria documents, you know, I, I always liked it when people read what I wrote. But besides making me happy that way, one of the things that, that you should know is that when the financial crisis hit back in 2008, a lot of people were upset by the rating agency role in, in that process. And rating agencies have to be registered with the SEC and they're regulated by, by the uh, SEC. And what I, 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 I left the rating agency work at that time, but my friends that uh, stayed with it told me that uh, things changed drastically at the rating agency and that the regulators really came down on them and enforced the fact that they had to use those criteria documents as the basis for rating decisions. Those criteria documents became extremely important in the rating process. So uh, you should pay attention to them because that's what the rating agency is going to be basing their decisions on. I certainly read the original one that you wrote and found it, found it really helpful for our internal process as well as for working with the rating agency, but but what if my company's ERM program is is very different from what the rating agency's view of ERM is? Well, I've looked at a lot of different ERM programs, and I personally think that most of the differences between different ERM programs are, are more cosmetic than substantial. I, I kind of developed this view of ERM programs as uh, that ERM consisted of a lot of small parts. And I kind of thought of those small parts as if they were cards in a deck and the different ERM program dealt those cards into different piles and gave those different piles different names. But underneath it all, those component pieces were always the same. Some people might leave some out. Some people might put more emphasis on others uh, and, and they'd group them together differently, but they were basically the same thing. So I think you have to just think at it, at it a little bit harder. Think about the in, in that manner of component parts and, and, and see how well you can line up. You, you don't have to use their way of describing it exactly, but you should say enough to, to allow them to make those connections. Well, that makes sense. Um, going beyond what you would talk about with the with the rating agency, uh, is the story different uh, than what you would tell your your regulator about your ERM process? Yeah, most definitely. the The regulator and the rating agency have different objectives in mind when they're looking at an ERM program. Uh, the The regulator is primarily concerned with whether or not uh, your company is at risk of, of going insolvent and becoming their problem. They don't really care if you're successful or not, whereas the rating agency is, is trying to get a sense of, of whether or not you can be successful because the highest rated companies are companies that are very successful. You know, why do rating agency analysts always ask for our internal risk management reports? What, what do they do with them? 
I'll, I'll tell a, a story with that. My very first time a company came and explained their ERM program to me, I listened to their explanation and I thought, oh, this is interesting. You know, okay, now it's my turn. I have to ask them questions. And I, I was new to being a rating analyst. So I was trying to learn what kind of questions made sense. So I started asking them a lot of practical questions like, how did it go when you did this? How did it go when you did that? What happened if when you did this, you got this kind of result? And they didn't have very good answers to any of those questions. And finally, they 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 confessed. They said, we don't actually have this risk management program yet. This is one that we're proposing doing. When you, you, you think about it, that that framework uh, that, that a company is describing, it's really cheap to come up with a framework. Because a framework is just a description of an ERM program. Uh, but it's it's much more expensive to actually do ERM. And so what the rating agencies, the reason they're looking for those internal reports is they want some evidence that, that you're actually doing the ERM program that you're describing. They're not trying to check item by item. Did, did you do this right? Did you do that right? It's more they want to see the, the, the internal reports because that would be evidence that you're actually implementing the thing that you talked about. Well, that makes sense. And, and different companies are at different levels of, of maturity with their ERM program as well. So there's some parts of the rating agency ERM scheme that, that we're not doing at all. You know, how, how do we get around that when we're talking to the, the rating agencies? Well, I've spent three or four time, uh, times as much time since leaving the rating agencies as I did there. So I'm going to take off my rating agency hat and put on my advisory hat. Basically, what I always advise people to do is to run out the clock talking about things that you you are doing and that you are doing well uh, so that the, the the rating analyst has then the choice of staying longer which my my impression was the rating analysts were always running out of the meeting before the company was done talking to catch a, a flight that was set to be much too early for staying for the whole meeting they have the other choice of well do i call back or email back and ask for more information, which they rarely want to do. If you if you take that approach, you, you've left them with the impression about all things that you're doing well. They have a good impression of you. They're likely to give you the benefit of the doubt on, on the things that you didn't get around to talking about. Well, thanks, Dave. I, I, I know you're you remind me of uh, my favorite rating agency story, which is uh, having a tornado warning and and having to be in shelter uh, while the rating agency analyst was there and getting ready to, they were getting ready to leave to the airport. We we ran down to the basement and found a stairwell and, and the CIO and I sat there and went through our presentation with, with, with the person. So it's, you got to get that in. You're right. ERM practitioners are justifiably proud of their journey to develop their process and quantify results. Time with the analyst is limited, and their needs as they develop your rating should drive your communications plan so the analyst can identify and recognize the good work being done. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Crossing Thin Ice, presented by Actuarial Risk Management. If you found it valuable, please share, like, and subscribe. Mm-hmm.